0: Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. The show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning and money with your host, Pete Mekaitis. Well, I think we're going to have a whole lot of fun here on episode 23. And this is all about workplace humor. And we're talking to Michael Kerr, a hilarious Canadian who has some really fun tidbits associated with how humor is no joke. <laughs> Get it? I made a joke right there. It's, it's serious business in the sense that it makes a real impact on your ability to think and innovate and create and have a, a positive responses to stress and, and team frustrations and all that good stuff. So you're going to learn one, the critical link between humor and creativity two how to turn stressful situations into something humorous by using his three R methods, reframe, reward and relax. And three. Approaches to building a humor first aid kit. A little bit about Michael here. He's listed as one of Canada's most in demand speakers, as a certified speaking professional, best selling author, and one of only 22 speakers to be inducted into the Canadian Speakers Hall of Fame. Building on his experience as a quote, recovering senior manager, Michael travels the world researching, writing, and speaking about what makes a great workplace great. He is known as one of North America's leading authorities on how to drive a more positive positive, inspiring workplace, the kind of workplace that drives phenomenal success. To check out the resources mentioned here, the show notes, the transcript, go over to awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep23. To get a quicker summary in just two minutes of reading the, the core takeaways, sign up for the gold nugget email list there. But for now, please listen. Here's Michael. Michael, thanks so much for being here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Pete. It is awesome to be here.
0: Oh, shucks. Well, it's fun. And and I know that you're often traveling all around Canada, the U.S. and everywhere with your your speaking and events and such. But tell me, when you are not in front of large crowds, what do you do for fun and recreation?
1: (laughs) When I'm, when I'm not in front of the masses, I live in one of the most beautiful spots in Canada. In fact, we just got, I just saw this yesterday, we we made it to the number one coolest town in Canada. Oh, I, live. Yeah. I live in a little place called Canmore, Alberta in the Canadian Rockies, right next to Banff National Park. So right on my doorstep are the Canadian Rockies. and We've got these spectacular hiking trails. So when I'm not speaking, I am typically... Out on the trails, hiking in the wintertime, cross-country skiing, mountain biking, uh, just enjoying the spectacular scenery. And in fact, in in the next few weeks, my wife and I are going to be heading out looking for grizzly bears because this is a prime time to go grizzly bear watching in the Rockies.
0: Oh, well, I imagine you you do that from a safe distance, perhaps, with binoculars. We, yes,
1: yes, <laughs> yes we, do, we, we don't we don't just stroll out <laughs> looking for good. Yeah, it's all, all done from a safe distance in our cars where we feel very safe.
0: Oh, man, my only considerations with the grizzly bears come about when you're camping and it, you're tired. Or it's dinner time and they're like, well, you got to get them in the trees. You got to put the food up in the trees so the bears don't come. I'm like, That's are there really right. any bears? We're tired. Uh, but we always did it. So we practice bear safety. Excellent. That's a free I'm bonus. I'm glad to
1: hear. <laughs> we, we should just talk about bear safety. That, that, was, that would just be an awesome, just <laughs> nonsensical
0: diversion. <laughs> I think bear safety is critical. <laughs> so it we is. are going to have a redirection. <laughs> Well, so this is fun. And so your specialty is is humor in the workplace. And so I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. We, earlier we chatted with uh, Esteban Gast, a comedian and and uh, made for a great conversation. So, uh, could you tell us first and foremost, I, I imagine that makes for a popular uh, speaker at an association event. Oh yeah, let's get the funny guy. But but tell us kind of what is the nuts and bolts value of humor at work in general? Is it—is it just fun, and is fun intrinsically valuable? How should we think about that?
1: One of my main messages is that, of course, it's fun, and it's a fun topic, but I really do stress that there is a humor advantage, as I called my latest book, the humor advantage, at an individual, at a team, and at an organizational wide level. There's a huge humor advantage that pays off in terms of our own success in any job. We know from all sorts of studies at an individual level that people who have a healthy sense of humor tend to be liked more. We view them as even physically more attractive. We trust them more. They are more creative. It helps people manage their stress effectively. So there are all these benefits that help us succeed no matter what job we're doing out there, just at an individual level. And in fact, as I write about, more and more businesses are looking to hire people who have a healthy sense of humor. And so it can help us even just get our, our foot in the door. And then at a team level, we know that teams that laugh together tend to be more productive, more creative, more innovative. There was an article in Scientific America last year that talked about how Team meetings that have high levels of humor, fun, joking, bantering around, tended to be the most effective meetings. And then at a business-wise level, there's a huge advantage that has been shown to pay off in terms of increased morale, increased sales, productivity, again, more innovation, less stress, reduced employee absenteeism rates, reduced employee turnover rates. So there really is a huge payoff. but to take your note, Pete, is it, is it just worth having for intrinsic reasons? Here's one of my, my messages too, is that all things being equal, even if embracing a greater sense of humor in your workplace, in your own career, doesn't help you achieve all those goals, what would you rather have? The same level of success and less fun or the same level of success and at least be enjoying the journey a little bit more? So it seems like, you know, a no-brainer kind of Decision
0: to me. Okay, yeah, I'm on board. I'm sold. And it's funny. I remember. So I worked at Bain and Company consulting for a while, and that was one of the key messages they even put in their recruiting literature was we laugh a lot. And and I found that to be true. We did laugh a lot, and that's one of the things I loved about collaborating with those colleagues. And so you're telling me that when you take the ins and outs associated with time quote unquote wasted, you know with laughing, joking around, screwing around uh, versus the the benefits, the benefits come out way ahead, and even if they didn't if it were even you'd still be on board absolutely yeah i mean I mean, look at it this way too who who
1: among us is going to When we're sitting on the old rocking chair at 103 years old, look back at our work days and think to ourselves, man, if I did it all over again, I would take myself more seriously. I would work (laughs) in a more soul-sucking, (laughs) fun-sucking, miserable work environment, and I would spread misery everywhere I go. (laughs) I don't think any of us are going to say that,
0: No, nope, I'm on board. I'm on board. And so maybe could you just uh, tease us with a little bit? So if you think about those studies, could you maybe reference perhaps one number from one study that will make the, the hard charger achiever listener go, oh, wow, I'm convinced. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> I'm convinced. Let me just give a few numbers around that. For example, a Bell leadership study found that the two top traits – employees wanted from their leaders was a strong work ethic and a healthy sense of humor. So when we talk about leadership in the workplace and and recognizing that anybody can be a leader at any level in any organization, it has nothing to do with job title or position or power. It's about your ability to influence the people you work with. And people want to be led by people who have a healthy sense of humor. Uh, I also quote a study uh, from Hay and Associates that mm-hmm. talks about how more funny might just lead to more money, how they found a direct correlation between people who have a healthy sense of humor and an increased likelihood for those people to either get a bonus or to get promoted in their organizations.
0: All right. That's good. That'll do it. So let's talk about the, the phrase healthy sense of humor, which you've used a few times. So is there, I don't know how you visualize it, maybe a continuum or, or spectrum but sort of what 's too little what 's too much what 's healthy what 's unhealthy right,
1: and, and that 's a huge, huge question and and my starting point for this always is is to be clear about what we mean when we talk about a sense of humor <laughs> let 's start with what i 'm not talking about, which is being the office clown, being a stand up comedian, and telling jokes, having a healthy sense of humor. In my mind isn't about telling jokes and it's certainly not always even about being funny. It's about taking those things we have no control over in our work life less seriously, which is a huge percentage for some people in their jobs, Mm -hmm. and it's about taking ourselves less seriously. It's about laughing at ourselves in order to do our work more effectively. And is it not a truism that the more seriously a person takes themselves The less seriously everyone else takes that person, which is kind of ironic, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're taking themselves so darn seriously because they want people to take them seriously. And then nobody takes them seriously because they're so uptight and unwilling to laugh at themselves. So it's about a sense of balance. It's about a sense of perspective and proportion in our lives. And it's about a sense of humanity, And I belong to this uh, association called the International Group for Humor Studies. Mm. And frequently, they talk about the importance of not just generating humor, but also the other side of the equation, appreciating humor. So even if you're not what you think of as maybe a naturally humorous person, there is still a very positive benefit of showing that you, you appreciate humor, that you can find the humor out there in your life and in your work life and appreciate it and laugh at the stuff that's going on around you and so when it comes to the, this notion of healthy humor in the workplace of course that's what we have to stress that that ideally the humor is positive it's supportive of each other it's not that put down kind of humor it's not the humor that a bully might use on us obviously It's not racist, sexist kind of humor. It's not the humor we would experience at a nightclub. We have to recognize you're at work. We have to be professional. But it's just about being more human and just tapping into those moments of of levity that happen day in and day out.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I like that. So it's a matter of when something happens outside of your control, and maybe it's not what you wanted. It maybe puts you behind schedule. You find the, the laugh, the, the fun humor inside that. Could you give us just a, a couple examples to make that come to life?
1: Yeah, there's, there's several ways to do that. And in fact, one of, one of the very simple kind of formulas that I use is, is to remind people of three simple R's of tapping into their sense of humor. And so the first one being reframe and reminding yourself that stress is in the eye of the beholder. So we know it's not the stuff that happens to us that causes us stress it's the interpretation of the stuff that is the sole source of stress in our lives it is what the voice or voices i think i think i have 12 in my head are saying to us that causes us stress well humor is also in the eye of the beholder humor is nothing more than how we see the world it's, it's practicing looking at the world looking at our experiences the things that happen to us in a little bit of a different way. So my first R is reframe. Practice playing with that voice in your head to just look at the situation in a different way. Imagine you're the center of a sitcom and and the people you work with are sitcom characters. Uh, Have a funny mantra that you go to, a funny, funny song, something to just help you look at it in a different way. To do the old, you know, this could be worse and then exaggerate so much how it could be worse that you can't help but laugh because it gives you that healthy perspective. And it takes a little practice to do that, but reframing is incredible, incredibly powerful. In fact, a lot of psychologists believe that a healthy sense of humor is perhaps the most powerful stress buster available to us because of its power to reframe situations that happen to us.
0: Okay, that's so fun. And so, you know, when you talk about a song or a mantra, you know, it's funny. I guess I never have shared this with anybody before, and so I'll share it with thousands at once. Is When when something happens to me that I don't like, I think it's stupid, it's bogus, it's broken, it shouldn't be occurring. You know, I guess my song or mantra is almost like a radio jingle where they they say the letters of the show, and and it sounds like W-T. And <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> you know like this is a, a program i'm on and something absurd is happening and, and i just and i guess that really does it enlightens it the mood it, it, it changes yeah. things from oh i'm not getting my way and i don't like this to well okay uh now what yeah, at the,
1: yeah that's brilliant right it's so simple and it sounds silly But if it works for you, and here's the thing we have to remember, when we're managing our own stress at work, ultimately all we can deal with is our own reactions to things, uh, how we see things, how we cope with things ourselves. And so first and foremost, it's about finding a way to give ourselves a laugh and that humorous perspective when something's driving us nuts. You know, you, you trip and fall at work, you have a choice. You can be embarrassed, you can kick the darn floor, or you can leap up to your feet and you can ask the people who saw you fall to the ground for a standing ovation, right? (laughs) You can yell out, wow, a 9.2 from the Romanian judge. I'm going to the Olympics, baby. (laughs) And just doing something silly like that can give you that perspective. So two other R's that I mentioned, Pete, to help us out in, in stressful situations. The second R is reward, and that's tying a fun reward to something that bugs you or stresses you out. It's been shown, for example, with search and rescue dogs that are dealing with a huge disaster where all the dogs are doing are finding dead bodies that the mm-hmm. dogs will get so demoralized, they'll quit working. So what they figured out to do is they reward the dogs for their stress by burying a live member of the search and rescue team in the avalanche oh. the rubble, which, which sounds so crazy, right? But it, but it works. The dog keeps finding live people, and they feel good about their job. So call me crazy, but I'm thinking, hey... If it works with dogs, maybe it works with people.
0: Oh wow! And it I just did not. You know, I bet people who aren't paying attention I might just go right past them. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy! Well, and, and, and it does. It it works with people in all sorts of different ways. For for
1: example, here are just just some simple examples. One client who had their office right next to the train tracks, and every time a train would go by, the building would shake. It was noisy. It was just one of those little pet peeves. Not a huge deal, right? But they decided to reward their stress by putting this bin of everybody's favorite chocolates in the middle of the office. But the way it worked was you could only get a chocolate when the train went by. So they attached a reward to something that was stressing them out. Uh, and I've seen people do this in all sorts of different creative ways. I worked in one place where we had the official bonehead play of the month award. And you actually would wear this bonehead Prop on your head, and the way it worked was you had to nominate yourself because it doesn't build the old team spirit to start nominating <laughs> each other. So you had to nominate yourself and say, "You know what, guys, I I did something so embarrassing, so stupid. I feel like a bit of a bonehead because if we're going to laugh at ourselves, it's not a question of if we're going to do a bonehead thing. It's when's the next time." Mm-hmm. So we had this little ceremony. Everyone who nominated themselves would have to come forward and explain why they deserve the reward for having done the most bonehead thing. And, and that served two purposes, right? Not only did you get a reward for having done something that caused you a bit of stress, it also created that environment where people were willing to open up about their mistakes and admit them so we all learned from them. So it was fabulous. Oh, that is And good. then the third R is just remembering the power of humor to help us relax and re-energize ourselves. And in fact, humor and laughter is a triple threat. This is why it's so effective and we shouldn't dismiss it as something trivial. It changes our thinking when we tap into our sense of humor. So there's a cognitive response. Physically, it changes us when we laugh. And we know from all these fabulous studies that laughter massages are... Our- Muscles where we pick up a lot of t- tension, it increases the oxygen going to the brain and oxygen going to the brain at work peak, highly recommended. Mm-hmm. It increases pain-killing chemicals, reduces stress-inducing chemicals like cortisol. It increases the flow of blood in our body. A Simon Fraser University study found that laughter works faster to relax our bodies than either Valium or vodka. Ooh. And you've got to like this one. One study suggests that 20 or 30 seconds of good, hearty belly laughter is the same physical workout as about two minutes on a rowing machine. So now I just go down to my local gym and laugh at the people working out.
0: Oh, that is good. it's,
1: It's good for us physically, right? And then the third benefit, it's a triple set. So it changes our thinking, helps us relax physically, and it shifts us emotionally. So it really is a powerful tool if we start practicing it in the face of stress and, and again in terms of relaxing sometimes it's as simple as doing something like putting on a a, a, a goofy prop of you know phoning, phoning up your boss when you're feeling overwhelmed and saying hey yeah it's me sorry i'm too busy to talk right now and then <laughs> hanging I, I did that for years in one place at work <laughs> just to give myself a laugh and relax <laughs> so there's all, all sorts of simple ways that uh, people can tap into their sense of humor.
0: Oh, I like that so much. And, and that is my own experience as well. Sometimes I'm, I'm having the day where everything's kind of funny and like, Haha. you know, you laugh it off and it's amusing and, and, and you see the humor and things and other days it, they're not, so much the case and it's everything is a travesty uh when it it pops up and it's it's not according to plan and it's putting me behind schedule and and all this stuff so i'd love to to hear some thoughts there you gave a a few great kind of quick tips with calling your boss and saying i'm too busy to talk right now or whatnot what are some other kind of quick ways to uh, this might be asking too much but i'll let's see what we can do like laughing on on demand like I think that I like the XKCD uh, comics, so that's one thing I'll do. It's like, it's time for more laughter. I'm going to go here, and and that does it for me. But what are some other kind of ways to get laughing quick? To get laughing quick in a serious emergency. Yes.
1: (laughs) One one thing you can do, It sounds, again, kind of silly and, and trivial, but I have... Met people who've done this and teams who've done this, and I've suggested this to clients all over the world, is create a humor first aid kit. If there's a serious emergency, you've got this humor first aid kit stockpiled with things that you know is going to work for you at an individual level. At a team level, you can do this where everybody contributes stuff. So it could be funny funny things that you read on your, your coffee break or lunch hour that will help give you that distance you need and help you forget about work for a little bit while. It could be some funny props, some funny costume parts, some funny noisemakers. Whatever it is, I mean, we used to have these multi-function noisemakers that we would use in our meetings for all sorts of different reasons. They had the Twilight Zone doo 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 noise and all these goofy different noises, and you know, it's simple, but it can help. So create a humor first aid kit is, is one simple tip. And that, Another thing I encourage people to do, if you want to grow your sense of humor, and this has been shown from studies to be one of the most effective ways to grow your sense of humor, and that is just simply start a humor file or start a humor book where you collect the unintentionally funny stuff in the world in your workplace. The, the stuff, in other words, that's not supposed to be funny until you look at it in a little bit of a different way. For example, those poorly written newspaper headlines like, uh, kids make nutritious snacks oh yes. or um, signs that say things like, eat here and get gas <laughs> at a gas station and restaurant near where I live. They have that sign. Uh, when I was in, in one job as a manager, I, I started a humor file and I'd collect the things like the time this woman to phone me up doing a survey from our head office. And she said, Mr. Kerr, I need to know the number of people in your department broken down by sex. And that's the kind of stuff that would go into my accidentally (laughs) funny file. And if you do that, it's called selective perception. It's just like when you go to buy a new car and you start seeing that car everywhere. Well, same thing. If you give yourself the goal of finding more funny, more humor in your life, you will start to see it everywhere as you're scanning newspapers, magazines, as you're listening to people, as you're just looking at stuff in a different way, you'll find it everywhere.
0: Oh, that's so good. And I I am going to, I'm going to absolutely do that. It's so funny. I've started that a little bit and I used to be very diligent about this. Every time I heard a name that I thought was hilarious, I, I said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to add this to my list of funny names, <laughs> and then I would I would listen to it. And the the winner right now belongs to Peanut Pungesticles. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's brilliant. And, that, and then you're always on the lookout for it, right? <laughs> I have a friend who, for years, has collected people's names who match their profession, and so same kind of idea. He's always on the lookout, and sometimes it's pretty. You know, it's 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 kind of loose. You have to be a little
0: creative, but you go, oh my
1: goodness, that name matches your job perfectly. So
0: he's he's got like I don't know seven hundred names now. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And so I'm, it's funny as we're imagining these you know approaches and tactics. I think I'm imagining a, a workplace in which you know one segment thinks, oh, this is fantastic. I love it. And the other half's like, this is very. Uh, unprofessional or a waste or, or whatnot, and I, I'm sure you see that a lot as you're doing workshops with with different kinds of teams and folks. How do you get the slow adopters on board? Well, a few ways, and you're and you're right. That is absolutely the case. Uh, and and
1: you have to first of all try and understand what their reasons are for fearing it. Uh, for some people, it's it's simply the fact that they're they might be introverts and they're worried that what you're talking about is going to be things that are going to put them on the spot or make them feel uncomfortable. And so that's one of the things I stress is, look, 30 to 50% of the population are introverts. And so I'm not talking about being like me when I'm on stage, which is this wild and crazy and enthusiastic kind of guy. It's about being yourself first and foremost, being your authentic self. And so you need to do what works for you and there's all sorts of simple things that introverts can do too to grow their sense of humor and share their sense of humor and there's no correlation you can have just as good a sense of humor as an introvert as you would with an extrovert so it's partly laying those fears to rest but then of course the biggest fear I think is what you said that you know this is this is not professional and you know we're here to work and and so one of the things I stress over and over is the success stories from companies around the world that do this successfully, that show the real financial bottom line results of focusing in your culture. And I stress that if you just do some of this goofy stuff, then you do run the risk of it being window dressing, uh, of people being cynical and rolling their eyes and and thinking that it's just a Band-Aid solution to more serious problems. So one of the things I really, really stress is that, a humorous attitude and, and a sense of humor and fun at work is both a driver of a successful culture, but more importantly, I think it reflects a successful culture. So right. when you do all those things you need to be doing in your culture anyways, like building a culture of trust and respect and openness and treating people like adults and, and living that value of open and honest communication and living your values out loud, then it becomes easy for everyone to have a good attitude and bring a sense of humor along for the ride. So it becomes the end result of success in any business and the end result of building a positive culture.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that was the the case at Bain. At Bain, we laugh a lot. It was a statement and a truth, you know, not just because we created humor files, although I'm absolutely going to do this in Evernote. So thank you for that. But just because we did have those other elements in play, and so it was able to kind of flourish in that kind of a way. So that, that's wonderful. So I guess oh boy, I've got so many things I want to tap into. <laughs> and, and and Pete, just, just jumping on that point,
1: too, you know, we, when I give examples of all these organizations that are doing it, one of the things I stress is that these are still – high-expectation organizations, Mm -hmm. they still hold employees accountable. We're not talking about creating a fun house here at work (laughs) and saying, you know, people can just skateboard down the hallways and bring whoopee cushions to the next board meeting. Of course, people are there to work first and foremost and produce and get results. But here's the interesting thing. Some of the the most fun, high-energy organizations also happen to be those that have high expectations for their employees and they hold their employees and their teams and their leadership accountable. There's a company in Winnipeg, Manitoba called Argus Industries, and they have this wonderful mantra that is simply this. Look, work is hard enough as it is without making it any harder. So let's work really hard. Let's set high goals for ourselves, but hey, let's have a little bit of fun along the way. And maybe if we do have a little bit of fun along the way, we'll be even more successful at achieving those goals.
0: Absolutely. And and so to being more successful at achieving the goals, I'd love to hear your, you got a great little tidbit about ha-ha leads to aha, the connection between uh, laughter and creativity. Could you speak a bit about that?
1: There's a huge correlation between humor and creativity. I think they both feed off each other. They're both about looking at the world, but in different ways. So, you know, but looking at our challenges or issues, but sort of uh, off to the side, a little, a little Uh, skewed. And there's all sorts of studies that show when groups do nothing more, for example, than watch a comedian on video, and then they sit down to brainstorm. The groups who watch comedians tend to come up with more ideas and more novel ideas than the groups that don't. And there's all sorts of reasons for this. I think when we tap into our sense of humor as a team, and I do full day workshops on creativity and innovation, and we talk about how groups will sometimes play theater improv games or, or do something really goofy before they sit down to, to brainstorm in a high energy way. And the benefits of doing that are so numerous. It helps relax everyone, it levels the playing field, it levels the hierarchy, so it doesn't feel like you're with your boss and your employees, you're just a bunch of kids playing around. It helps shift you over to more right side of your brain, it helps you see things in a different way, it opens up communications, and it lowers your inhibitions. And this is a big one, I think. Yes. lowers your inhibitions, so that you are that much more willing, hopefully, to throw out a truly wild, outrageous idea that maybe you would have held back on if you hadn't been put into that positive, playful mind frame.
0: Oh, I like that so much. And, and thinking about creativity, thinking back to my experiences facilitating kind of brainstorming sessions, and there was a little bit of a lull. Know a previous guest, Esteban Gast, talked about this as well in the creative process. There's, there's a bit of a lull. And then folks just like, ah, what the heck? You know, it's like they just open up like, oh, they just have less inhibition and just go ahead and, and put it out there. And it's great to see. So I'd also, similarly to that point, could you speak a bit about your philosophy you speak often about with regard to going the extra inch as opposed to going the extra mile? And, and how's that tie in with this?
1: Right. Yeah. I talk about in two different ways. I talk about if if we're going to build a great culture at work then we have to remember that i think that starts by putting service first you know building what i call a service first culture is one of our top values, and recognizing that some of our most important customers are right next to us. Mm. They're sitting right there, our teammates, our boss, our employees, whoever they may be. I mean, one of my definitions of great teamwork is, well, it's about remembering your teammates are also your customers, and I need to provide good customer service to the rest of my teammates. One of the definitions of leadership is providing good service, I think, to your employees, So it's creating that service mindset internally in your culture to build a a better culture, but then also, of course, recognizing that everybody ultimately is in the service business. And so we all have customers out there. It's the only reason any of us (laughs) exist in business. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be focused on providing exceptional service to our customers. And one of the simple ways we do that, one of the things I, I say to my groups is stop providing good customer service. To stop it because we all expect good customer service when we go out there in the world. So if all you're doing is providing good customer service, all you're doing is meeting expectations. And that's not going to wow anybody. That's not going to get you at an individual or at a company level known for your service unless you do something that exceeds those expectations of good customer service. And so one of the goals I challenge people with is to just look for opportunities to go the extra inch because it really is the simple little things that will make a difference in someone's life. It's the little things that bug us, right? It's the little things that somebody doesn't do or just forgets to do that will annoy us. And it's the little things, the little moments that will make a difference. And so again, humor ties into this and that if we just bring our natural sense of humor along for the ride, that is one of the simplest starting points we can do to provide service that's an extra inch and a little bit different. And there's so many simple ways we can do this. I and mean, we all know that when we're interacting with anybody, doesn't matter where we are, the person who has a great sense of humor, we're going to remember that person. We're going to like that person. And, and doing just simple little things to stand out, I, I I don't know, about a year and a half ago, I phoned up Shutterfly, the online photo web sharing site, and Mm -hmm. I got the usual automated voicemail response. But at the end, and this is what I call a very creative, humorous, go-the-extra-inch thing that they did, at the end of the automated response, my option was this. If you would like to hear these options again, but in pirate, please press (laughs) 9. And I laughed out loud. I thought... That's awesome. Like who would not want to hear these in pirates? So I press the button and and there's a pirate. Or maybe if you think your package has been lost at high seas, press number two. <laughs> I mean, that's brilliant. I got off the phone smiling, liking this company even more, telling everybody about it. It's a simple little, you know, know the extra inch little idea. But we've got to encourage those, we've got to reward those. Uh, and we, we've got to challenge people to consistently come up with just little extra inch things that they can do. And again, it starts, I think, by just bringing our sense of humor along for the ride.
0: Well, that's so good. And as I'm thinking about when you were providing great customer service to your, your fellow teammates, your employees, and going the extra inch, I guess there are a lot of little things that come to mind. Primarily, I think, just kind of bringing your brain with you in terms of you, say, you notice something, you don't just highlight that you notice something, but you also say, and I'd be happy to do this, you know, in response to it and just kind of being proactive about those sorts of things. What are some other kind of quick wins or simple opportunities that come up all the time for folks to go the extra inch with their teammates?
1: Well, I think one of the things, and and you sort of touched on that there, but one of the big things for me is just anticipating somebody's Needs and I think we, we if we just give a little bit of thought whether we're sending an email to someone or leaving a voicemail message just anticipating okay what what questions might they have what's going to make this that much easier for them what extra thing might they need uh, that's going to help them out you know I was I was, I was reminded a couple of years ago when I, I got my first Siri on my iphone uh, I was at an airport, and I was reminded of how cool it is to anticipate people's needs. When I was sitting at the airport lounge and a little bit bored, so I whipped out Siri. She, she was still new to me at that time. And I asked Siri, how much would could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And she said, well, it depends whether it's an American groundhog or a European groundhog. Mm-hmm. And then she went on with like 15 different answers for this. And I thought, what a cool example of a company anticipating future needs. <laughs> they actually, years ago, anticipated that some goofball like me and many other people are going to ask these stupid name questions. And so that's the kind of mindset we have to bring. If we really want to be known in our job, in any workplace, as a team player, as somebody who is invested in our company, as somebody who is there, and we know the old saying, right? There's a difference between showing up at work and showing up to work. And I think one of the simplest things we can do is just start anticipating people's needs more and more and just trying to think one step ahead of them. That's another thing that I think we need to, we need to do. It's, it's very simple if we just start putting it into practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, is there anything else you want to make sure you, you get out there before we kind of shift gears into the Fast Faves segment? No, just I do want to stress
1: again that we're the heart of this, we're just talking about being more authentic, more genuine, more human and we know again from so many studies that that is one of the keys to success in any workplace is when we just bring our best selves to work day in and day out and it's also one of the keys to a great culture. When, when I interview uh, or survey employees about what makes them happy at work and, and why they like this place to work more than any other place, one of the top answers I get is they'll say, you know what, at this place, I'm finally allowed to be myself. I just feel like I can be me without any of that fake stuff of pretending I'm somebody else. And that's why I feel so engaged and so happy.
0: Mm. That's lovely. Thank you. All right, so shifting gears here a bit, could you share with us a favorite quote? A favorite quote? A favorite
1: quote? And this is the fast round, right? That's right. And I'm stalling, I'm stalling for time. <laughs> a favorite quote. Uh, is Lily Tomlin, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat.
0: Oh, that's good. And how about a favorite study, piece of research you reference again and again? Maybe you've already cited it. I like the really goofball,
1: weird, offbeat studies. One study that, that I do like, just because it's a little bit offbeat, is I reference a, a couple of studies in my book, from, from dogs, from what, again, we've learned from dogs, where they looked at stress hormones in dogs in Europe. And one set of dogs were police dogs, and one set of dogs were border patrol dogs. And they measured their stress hormones after the dogs played. And what they found was rather interesting, and it ties into all this in a really cool way, because they, and I can't remember which was which, without looking it up, but one set of the dogs their stress hormones actually rose. And the other set, their stress homo- hormones dropped substantially after playing, which is what we would expect. When you play, you're supposed to be mm-hmm. more relaxed. Your stress should go down. And the reason for that difference is with one group of dogs, they were ordered to play. So they more or less were commanded to play. Oh. Whereas the other set, they were invited to play. And I just think that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that is good. That is good.
0: How about a favorite book?
1: Okay, one of my favorite novels that I just read recently is called Fifteen Dogs. It's this weird, quirky book, very bizarre, but very quirky. It won the Giller Prize here in Canada, and it's about these two Roman, dogs who make, Roman gods who make a bet with each other, and they end up giving 15 dogs human intelligence, and then watch the story unfold.
0: Oh, well, that is fascinating. How about a favorite personal practice of yours that you have found really boosts your effectiveness? time, I would say, uh, is is
1: one of the things I try to commit to. I know when my brain is at its sharpest, and I know that that's in the morning between 9 and 11. So I tend to block off those two hours and shut down technology, and I use those two hours to produce, to focus, to write, to do high-value, high-thinking kind of activities.
0: Well, that explains why you're nailing it right now so well Exactly (laughs) this (laughs) interview.
1: (laughs) except except for the fast (laughs) round.
0: How about a a favorite nugget that you share that when you convey it, audience members, they nod their head, they take notes, they retweet, they, in your book, they Kindle highlight it. What's a quote or two that that you have? One is I more and
1: more, I talk about I talk about meetings and the importance of meetings, and this tends to get retweeted and shared a lot, because I think meetings are a source spot for a lot of people mm-hmm. at work. So one of the things I'd say is, if people are dreading going to meetings in your workplace, you're doing them wrong.: All right. <laughs> meetings, meetings should both help create the kind of culture that you want to build in your organization, and they should also reflect your culture.
0: Mm, lovely and the best way to get in touch with you
1: if folks want to learn more. Folks can drop by my website
0: 24-7, believe it or not. (laughs) Isn't that amazing technology?
1: www.mikecur.com gets you there, or Humor at Work gets you there. There's all sorts of articles and resources. I would invite people to sign up for my weekly raved about inspiring workplaces, Humor at Work, easing if they so too, and if they do sign up, they get a, a free download bonus of 50 plus ways to add fun to their meetings.
0: Oh, lovely. Thank you. And would you have a final challenge or call to action for those seeking to become more awesome at their jobs?
1: Yes. Remember that life is too important to take too, too seriously. As somebody once said, we are not getting out of life alive. So remember (laughs) to enjoy the journey and remember that we know from again so much research that happiness, that a positive attitude are the key drivers of success. And we tend to sometimes think the other way around. You know, we wait for things to happen in our life and then we think, well, I'm going to be happy once that happens. So remember to enjoy the journey. Laugh at yourselves more. Find the funny and don't take life too seriously because you're not getting out of it alive.
0: That's lovely. Thank you. Michael, it's been so much fun having you. I wish you much luck and fantastic, warm, friendly audiences and, and many laughs along the way.
1: Thank you, Pete. You as well.
0: All right. I hope you had a couple good laughs along the way and you're prepared to have many more laughs in the work days to come. And again, if you want to check out any of the resources mentioned here, uh, the book and more, that's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep23. And if you want just the quick briefs from Michael and all the guests here at Awesome at Your Job, go on over to awesome at your job.com and sign up for the gold nugget email subscription until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode to get the most out of this conversation. Visit awesome at to find today's show notes, transcript and infographic summary cheat sheet for more entertaining, professional skill sharpening. Be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of how to be awesome at your job.